0: You are tuned in to another book club episode of the Comics Pals, the only podcast.
1: Uh We've been
0: here forever. (laughs) We've been watching and waiting. And only now may you know that we are among you. This month, the pantheon of pals is all accounted for. The technical trickster, Mercury. That's Marco. The loudest man in the universe, the M'Banshee, Pete. (laughs) <laughs> the master of the tides and the flow Ocean.
1: Oh my god Nice <laughs> oh my god. And
0: finally the <laughs> oldest of us all The
2: one who's more old than man The MRKL. All Right. <laughs> Wait so what about Phil I mean he's not here but what would you have said His was going to be the filibuster <laughs> Alright sorry I asked
0: but Yeah yeah it was bad That's why I'm kind of glad he's not here. Okay. Uh, So anyway, welcome to the book club. Uh, Eternals (laughs) comes into theaters uh, next month. And uh, we decided we wanted to get to know the characters. And uh, so we're taking a look at Neil Gaiman's Eternals from 2007. Everybody anticipates that this will be the book that uh, the film will be uh, the closest to. And we were among those people, so here we are. Uh, Browsing. I mean, <laughs> listen, what do you want? <laughs> uh, obviously, Eternals was written by Neil Gaiman. Uh, Art was uh, John Romita Jr. And his army of inkers, Danny Danny Meeky, Tom Palmer, Jesse Delperdang, and Claus Jansen. Colors were done by Matt Hollingsworth and Paul Mounts. Letters by Todd Klein, and last but not least, the incredible covers by Matt ba- Mike Barry. I said Matt Barry because he is a voiceover artist and musician, whom is someone I like and <laughs> um, is at the front of my mind.
1: Thanks, Granddad. Yep <laughs> i uh, I have cover art by Rick Barry.
0: Yeah, I saw that too. But in oh, my Mike book, Bar- it's Mike Barry.
1: Oh, interesting. No, it's Matt Barry.
0: <laughs> no, no, he's different.
1: One of those okay. berries.
0: Yeah, could be Dave berry Uh, so I would like to know. Oh, f- fuck it. Let's just do this. Sh- <laughs> we're doing it live. Preamble. We're, we're doing, doing it, it live. Doing it. Okay. <laughs> Before we get into it,
3: I want to know. I want
0: you to know where you can find us. Where you can always find us. Always. We're on all of your favorite social media platforms under our moniker, the the Comics Pals, in all forms. That includes YouTube. If you already knew that, then you already know to leave a like, subscribe, and I know you're already leaving a comment. Don't forget that we respond to any of the comments you leave on our episodes of the main show, which drops on Mondays. Don't forget to join us on Discord. You can find that link on our social media pages. Feel free to join the conversation and tell us your thoughts. And you can always write to us by email at the comicspals at gmail.com. Um, all right. I want to get your initial thoughts first. I want to I want to test the waters here before we get into the big discussion.
2: Sean. Hit yeah. me with your best shot. Well, given that you said you want to test the waters, wouldn't it make the most sense? I, I mean, didn't it? even think of that it was wow. an accident. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Good job. I was like, should I jump in now and, and do incredible. this? Or is he is No, he that ready? was incredible. Well, um, thank you. Uh, I don't think this book was incredible. Nope. Yeah. Um, yeah i i i expected something that was going to look like sandman or you know something like that swamp thing um and i feel like what we got was not really in the spirit of that It, it it's clear that uh gaiman was trying to modernize his style or maybe that just was his style at the time um and it doesn't in my eyes, necessarily work all the time. Some of the ways he tries to bring these characters into the modern Mm. era. Uh, And especially now that we have Kieran Gillen's Eternals to weigh this against, Mm. this actually fell a lot flatter because that version of the story feels more vibrant and mythical, whereas this is a little bit earthy for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it smacks of kind of the same type of storytelling that was going on around this time at Marvel, down to even having Ramita on art. And not that his art was wholly bad, but it just has a, a oh, certain... Man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't hate it by any means. There's great stuff here. We'll talk about all that. But I really... I came in expecting a lot more, and I didn't get probably half of what I thought I would. Man, I'm so glad you said that.
3: <laughs> you're gonna call the Go next person, okay? Uh, no, you were <laughs> gone. That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say I would say I largely agree with that that um, breakdown. Like, I I I thought it was fine, but I didn't feel like it was particularly special. You know, I I didn't feel like it was stand out in any significant way, um, and I think. You know, similarly to, to you, Sean, I went in with like a certain level of expectation, knowing what you know um, Neil Gaiman is capable of, and particularly like thinking about how his strengths as a writer could be leveraged with this cast of characters and like you know this kind of kind of set dressings of the Eternals. Um, I I assumed that it would be something that um, even if I didn't like click with it that I would recognize, like, ah, yes, like, like there's something here, right? Um, right? And I just did not get that vibe, you know? Like, again, I, I wouldn't say that I hated it. I wouldn't say that it was bad. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it it just felt very run-of-the-mill, you mm-hmm. know? It, fe- mm-hmm. it felt like it could have been any creative team that did this run and this take on these characters, um, which when you have to uh to you know two creators on this book that are recognized as as all-time greats to get something that feels run of the mill um is 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 disappointing you know and and I think that might have even colored how I judged it to some degree cuz I expected more but I think even without that you know um even without that kind of anchor around its neck I just I just don't think it was a uh I don't think it was a story that had much heat even though it was dealing with these really big stakes. I never really felt like it like it felt that intense, you know?
1: Mm. I think of that your last comment there on like proportions kind of makes sense cuz I feel like the Eternals are these larger than life characters they've been living these long lives. They've know come back so many times, their duty is so great, and this didn't live up to the sort of grandiose world of what I've come to understand to be the Eternals and the the kind of dangers that they deal with. And so on on that end it fell it fell a bit flat. I think the 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 comment on Gaiman sort of not being this this didn't feel like his voice, and I think that that was apparent because we have read some of the Sandman pieces. I've recently read Coraline. There's been some, uh, you know, side stories here there that I've of Gaiman that I've picked up, and I, I don't think his energy and the kind of uh prose stylings that he typically writes in came off here. This this did feel like he was sort of adapting his writing for something, and. Uh, i think i i had fun with it but there were uh, a lot of problems and sort of holes that uh limited how much i could enjoy it and um in particular i think the the it, it was largely the the scope of the world and the characters um i i i think one of the things that we've In reading Kieran Gillen's Eternals run is that, you know, there are multiple variations of the of the Eternals during different time periods. And I think for that, I kind of gave it some leeway, because I could appreciate that this was a different interpretation, a different time, a different sort of reset of each of these individual characters, um, memories, considering that they are robotic. So I gave it that. And I think with that, I found a bit more flexibility in how I could enjoy the story. But still, it wasn't something that it wasn't this profound story. It was, it was fine. It was it was a good time. It was a good romp, and I think that there were things to like about it, and a lot to maybe that there was to work on.
0: Yeah, I didn't care for this at all, <laughs> at all. Um, I think uh, very similar to all of you. I I thought it was very surprisingly weak from Gaiman, i feel like he uh is sort of wearing a lot of his inspiration on his sleeve as far as like uh the sprite character and the uh the very obvious allegory to peter pan um and maybe maybe allegory isn't the the correct word there but the you know the comparison to peter pan or whatever um and um (laughs) yeah uh did you guys do you guys have a copy or did you read it digitally yeah um in the back of 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 this edition uh, some british edition i guess um he says that he read kirby's eternals when he was 15 or 16 and so i read this twice to prepare for for the book club and i kind of came away from it going i don't believe you? Jeez. I don't know. It just it just I, the 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 characters for me all ring sort of hollow. Like nothing it didn't feel like there was anything to latch onto. And um the plot felt I, thick but somehow thin.
3: I I get what you mean in that regard. I feel like um I feel like the characterization is not particularly strong. I I I feel like Sprite is really the only character who I felt like um I feel like Gaiman really like leveraged things well with. Like you you know whether or not the whole uh Peter Pan thing works for you or not, I feel like the very fact that Sprite was a character that was contemplative on some level and had a struggle that was unique to being a, being an eternal and, and Mm -hmm. like exploring that question of what does it mean to be an, an infinite being that is born and destroyed and reborn and, you know, um, but also then that question of right, like living that life and having all those experiences, but still being treated as this child and never being able to, to grow or change in the way that, you know, um, every other eternal can like th- like those were interesting questions and mm. that was like more of what i was hoping for you know yeah. um we've meant we've name dropped sandman a couple times here right and like that was what was so interesting to me about that book and we talked a lot about that during that book club of like that it felt like Neil did a good job of exploring what it would really be like inside the head of a being like that. A being that isn't human but mm. has human emotions on some level, right? But their their context for their of uh, their experiences are so different than ours. Um and I get that like this group of eternals has kind of been tricked into being people, and then like they're just getting their senses back and everything, so like it has that kind of you know um that kind of hanging over it but i feel like not being able to really engage with more interesting questions like that like like even something like um forgive me what was the name of the um the the woman in like the gold armor who had the human child
1: Athena uh, Athena
3: Athena right like i wish that like we had gotten time for her to like be back at home like and being like oh god what does this mean like I'm gonna live forever and my child's going to die and like exploring some of those emotions rather than just like having like a one-page exchange with her father where he's like you can't keep the kid and she's like but I'm gonna and he's like okay fine and like that's it like I that is an emotionally rich thing that's been set up but it doesn't we don't pull on the thread we don't go there and i feel like that's the stuff that neil does best is is going there um and it's a shame that i don't know i just feel like i feel like there's not enough room for the characters to breathe cuz it's so focused on telling you know the capital s story of the new context of them
1: and and i think that's what something that interests That was interesting to me was also in the back matter. They mentioned how Neo felt like he needed more issues and he needed like the one actually needed the seventh one to really get the full story in Yeah, but it never felt like we got into the rhythm of the story This all felt like the beginning of something that We we could have continued to explore when I, I got to that last page. I was like What? Like, yeah, you're right. This was the beginning because that was like, that was literally the fucking beginning of this epic journey that you could have given us with all of these characters, but you decided to cut it right there. And so when I saw that he had, he had said that he needed that extra seventh issue to tell this complete story, I was like, bro, that shit never got off the ground. I don't, I was confused as to what, what the point of it all was, if there was so much left on the table.
2: I think I think the point of it was really to introduce those characters to the age of readers who at this point now are into Iron Man and Thor and, you know, Captain America, the modern superhero uh, comics had changed a lot since the 80s. And in 2006, I mean, you can see, like, what's going on at the time of Civil War. Um and, you know, comics were just a d- different landscape. And I'm not I'm not fully aware of what else Neil Gaiman was doing at the same time. But, you know, again, this absolutely feels like a comic that came out in 2006 and no other time. So I think the task was probably just to take the Eternals, take the, you know, the best aspects of what came before and kind of freshen them up. And put these characters in a place where any other writer could come in and start telling stories with them. But Gaiman didn't have the time to sit there and tell whatever epic idea he may have had, because that just wasn't the vibe, you know, I don't, I think they wanted to to put the Eternals in a space where they could be dropped into any story. Look at the combination here with the civil war tie-in that was completely unnecessary. You know, and that's just what Marvel was like at the time.
1: Uh he he really wasn't doing anything uh else yeah. at this time. I feel like he was probably just back in books.
3: Uh oh. right before this, he had yeah, seemingly taken a break. Like he was doing like the last thing he did for Marvel before this was Marvel 1602, which was like 4 years earlier. Oh no! I guess sure. it was, like, it was yeah. only like a year or two.
2: two. Yeah.
1: Oh, and so, that was Andy Kubert on that one. Nice.
2: So that's oh. kind of what I mean. You know, um, I think I think there's an aspect of it of him getting reacquainted with um, Marvel's style, being asked to do something that was a little outside of his, you know, kind of comfort zone. I think if this if this same book if Neil Gaiman's eternals revamp were to be coming out in 2021 for example it would be completely different
1: yo if he had the leverage of like a uh uh what's his name like a daniel warren johnson to just kind of like let loose on his storytelling with the eternals a la whatever this is my creative control for the time being like that's a fucking sandbox i want to play in sure
0: He's Neil Gaiman, though, so like it's incredible that he didn't have that leverage even at sure. the time. Uh, uh, in the back matter, it says that he um, he was looking for a lot of stuff to do, and he wanted to do something that was different from sixteen oh two, but it seemed like everything he uh, pitched was being done by someone else. Mm. Bendis mostly,
3: but. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting because you have to wonder. I I get the sense that there was more uh, to be done there, right? That like with a longer (laughs) run with more time, um, he would have paced things out differently, and and we would have gotten some of that, some of that meat on the bone that I think we were expecting. You know, Um, given you know the quality of work that we know he's capable of.
2: think i think it's worth pointing out that there are definitely aspects of a of a more self-conscious story here in the work uh i think you know you can look to situations like what we talked about with sprite so much character development for him uh so much you know contemplation on his part about what he is and what his you know lot in life is Uh, i think the aspects of the story that kind of present the eternals as gods and what it means that gods are are walking earth you know or if you want to say that the celestials are gods then these are the celestials angels you know Mm. what does that Mm. mean i think that there is stuff like that in the story i just wish it was a little bit more fleshed out
3: yeah that's i think that's the whole problem is like it it feels like a lot of like hinting at things or like you know telling us stakes and and things like that that are interesting and have promise, but like we just don't have enough room for them to really develop enough to feel like they have teeth
0: yeah and and that's sort of what frustrated me about the inclusion of the civil war stuff um to the point where you know even more than just like well, what does this matter like what what is iron man going to do against these people you know like
2: please i i thought that was the point um i think i think that it was not effectively Presented, But I think the idea was supposed to be that, you know, the Civil War is this all encompassing thing that the people who are supposed to be the protectors of Earth are so focused on that they're not protecting Earth. Um, and so when they see these Eternals and this problem that is completely way outside of their pay grade, the only thing that they can think about to the point of almost parody is, oh, whose side are you on? I think it's funny that Gaiman chose to specifically use that slogan uh, on the part of Iron Man because it almost like if that if that comic book had come out at a time where memes were a thing, I really feel like that would have been a meme. Um, And (laughs) the way that he has Iron Man and Yellow Jacket asking that question, it felt memey. So I, I think that was the point was to kind of point out how small those problems are and how the human beings are letting those problems um kind of overshadow what their responsibility is supposed to be you know protecting earth i also felt like it was a good um <clears throat> excuse me it
3: was a good it was a good opportunity to kind of like establish power scale as well right like of you know this idea that the the main event that's going on right now in the marvel universe or that you know um that has been reverberating throughout the marvel universe right um is trivial to these folks and that what they're dealing with is is a is so above that and is above the characters that you know readers at the time are thinking are these are the marquee names these are the people who lead the marvel universe right are you know your your iron men um and to the eternals like you know he's he's trivial, right? Like he's, he's another person who will have come and gone in the millions and millions and millions of years that they've existed.
2: I think that, that, that is also an interesting point though, is the idea that these are, you know, gods or angels or however you want to consider them. And they kind of approach the problems of humanity as trivial, like because they can see things on a, on a grander scale they understand that there are problems that humanity faces that are way bigger than what they can conceive of but at the same time they kind of treat humans or the concept of humanity as just a job rather than something that they love and that's something that uh, it, it's in the Eternals trailer um one of the one of the characters says you know um, we love humans or, you know, we protect them as if we love them or something to that effect. And that's absent here. In fact, Marco mentioned earlier the conversation between Fina and her father's, I think Zora, um, something like that, where he he's like, yeah, let that kid go. <laughs> like he doesn't even care. You know, it doesn't that doesn't matter to him that she has a child. That's irrelevant. Um, the Druig, Druig, he kills humans. Constantly, no yep. problem at all. It doesn't matter. They just die. They're fodder. So yeah, for me, that was one of the the more interesting things that I got out of the book that I wish was more drawn upon. Even even um Zura killing Sprite at the end. Right. Yeah. It felt yeah. like, well, if he's a human, why like <laughs> that's a yeah, yeah. Say you should say more about that because that's well, just you know, he sprite went to you know a millennia's
0: effort to hatch this grand scheme so that he could be an adult and he could be you know become a man and experience things as a a a human um but when he's uh you know found out and his his plan is foiled you know the eternals are, are back in their conscious mind and uh sprite is on the run, I guess. Um, and Zuras, he and Zuras have, have a conversation, and they, I think, sort of come to terms with with what happens. And and Zura cuts him off, uh, kills him. And I think you know, if they, if if this version of the Eternals cared at all, like what would be the harm in letting him have his life? you know, as, as a human.
2: Yeah. That felt very based in vengeance. Yeah. Revenge. And that's kind of like not godly or maybe it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, not read the Bible recently. Have you?
3: (laughs) That's the thing is that I, I don't know. I guess the fact that like they have their, this like their own code and set of rules that they live by, you know, like it, it, it did kind of remind me of like, um, you know, like the like the greek pantheon or something like that right like it felt like something that i oh yeah right this trickster god tricked all the other gods and then the leader of the gods had to you know um had to kill him and it wasn't personal it wasn't you know for lack of love it was because like we exist for a purpose and you you know um you know tried to circumvent that and you know like that's that's it like this is the code you live by the code you die by the code you know um i think that did help to for me to like kind of contextualize their morality a little bit right that like it's it's not the same as ours right whether or not their overall goals are are altruistic or or whatever um is kind of irrelevant well
0: <sighs> I also wonder if the perspective on this story doesn't allow for it. You know, we we never get into the mind of an Eternal. You know, we never get to see, you know, Icarus go, Oh man, I fucking love humans. These dudes are the best. He's, you know, he is trying to convince everyone else that they're Eternals and then he's busy getting killed the whole time.
3: I think I think uh it's part of the the issue of this being too short because I think like all of the attempts at character development happen not all of them, but all of the attempts at character development that are talking about what you you were just commenting on Kale and that we've kind of yeah. been circling around are all uh, attempted in the last issue right yeah like the the interaction that we just discussed like where, where Sprite dies that happens in issue seven that's also the same issue where they have the conversation about the child um and you know he says like it'll it will live a few years and then die far from its own kind and like that's you know pulling on that that thread and then the same thing right is with um uh what's his name uh Mark what's Macaris, um he uh he was out on the you know the the, in the snow for two weeks meditating right and what's what's his takeaway right is that he was happy being a person he was happy being mortal um and i think that like the idea of these immortal beings like clinging to the idea of an end and mortality and you know these uh tangible, fleeting things that only, you know, beings that have a beginning and an end can have, like a, like a child and, you know, um, or, or, or a life and a struggle, right, and all those things. Um, I feel like that is a big thread of what the book is actually about, is wanting to grapple with that. But we don't get to, we, we spend so much time setting these characters up and establishing who they were, and then who they actually are, that you don't really get to do any of that. We just hint at it in this last issue. And I think that's why it feels so unsatisfying. It's like I wish that we had gotten through the who am I? Who are we thing like way earlier? So we could have like dealt with them dealing with it more, you know?
2: I think or go ahead. Sorry, or or that could have been like the next arc. Of this story, you know, like, like, how do you.
3: Marco, your voice is very deep. <laughs> oh, no. This is what happened on that, that review with you and Tyler.
1: God damn it. Oh
2: my God. Go Sean, I'll, I'll fix this. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I think to Pete's point about, you know, how long it took to kind of get to the story you can look at Kieran Gillen's more recent run and they don't waste any time at all with that. Mm. The first issue does kind of introduce you to the idea of the Eternals for sure, but it does it in a way that's fun and engaging and they already are who they are. You know, they're Mm. in the sense that they don't remember necessarily, but they are who they are. And I think if this series could have gotten over that question in the first half you know um that would have been a lot more palatable but it's just so frustrating how long and again i think that's kind of a product of the time as well i think uh, um a concept like the eternals probably there weren't a ton of readers who knew what that was i know i did it in 2006 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there wasn't that expectation of oh you'll google it or oh you'll wikipedia it if you don't know so I think that maybe there was some trepidation about trying to make sure that people understood absolutely everything before they told the story. And that was definitely to the detriment, even if this was going to have 40 issues. I don't think that you can rely or that you can tell this kind of story over the course of seven issues and expect that readers are going to hang on, even if you got 40.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair to say, yeah. Um... Now my man's just jumping out. Okay, all right. You know, you could have given me a little warning. I could have had a background set up. It's fine. We're going to keep this rolling. Um, I, I think that that is fair to say. Like, I... You kidding me? You kidding me, Marco? Just jumping in and out. All right. Okay, you know what? Fine. I'm cutting this out now. Good God.
1: Does this fix anything?
3: No. no. Oh, my God. It's worse. <laughs> <laughs> Does
1: this uh. fix
2: anything? <laughs>
1: Dude, literally nothing happened. What
2: is going this on? Is gonna take... Dude, it's one of those days. We haven't had one of these in a while. I guess. <laughs> Fuck.
1: <laughs> is that any better? Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Okay. Cool.
3: Great. Okay. I guess I'll restart that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I do think that's fair to say, um, Sean, I I feel like, I feel like there was a more equitable way to do that legwork. Like I, I, I do think that that context was, was necessary and, and welcome, um, to some degree, but like the first, what, three issues I feel like are, are pretty much centered around that um before we really get anywhere and i feel like if that you know if maybe it was just one character who needed to have that revelation or you know all of them do but it happens in a more like montage type of way of like he's a doctor she's a party planner right like we don't need to go into all the minutia of that life because it is irrelevant right like mark curry doesn't exist and <laughs> as soon as as soon as that's revealed, none of that life matters anymore. And if it did, and if that was the story was, oh, like I'm Makaris, but I also still feel like Mark and I want to be a doctor or what, like that would be relevant then. It would be like, all right, cool. This was time well spent, but it's not. And it all gets just thrown away. Um, so like, why did we bother spending time with that? You know, it, it I would have rather use that time post- Eternals switch or whatever you're going to call it, right? Where they become who they actually are. So I could explore who those characters are and what matters to them and what are they thinking and struggling with, you know? Or even if they picked
0: one, like if we were actually just following Mark Curry and letting the events unfold through him Mm -hmm. from his perspective, like that would have been great.
2: Yeah. I think Mark and, and uh, Sprite are the perfect sort of characters to focus on because they're going through very distinct problems. Yeah. And whenever you add one other character or however many to either one of those, um, you know, issues, it just becomes redundant. And in a series that didn't have time to be redundant, it's definitely frustrating as a reader. Especially because like,
3: I just, I, there are too many like, cause like even like Icarus, right? Like is, I think he's fine like he doesn't necessarily need he doesn't get the same level of characterization as everybody else he's more like the you know like I'm the the magical character who shows up and throws every, you know like I'm exposing you to the magical world of, of the Eternals and it's like okay fine like he fills that role in the story well enough and I don't feel like I needed more from him necessarily right mm-hmm. Um, but like um, Cersei is her name right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I felt like Cersei was a character that she takes up so much oxygen, but she has nothing to do. You know, like she like there's so much time spent with her and she doesn't really do anything. She doesn't have an arc really. You know, she we show up and we meet her and we get all this context about kind of who she is and what she's about and we have this whole narrative of her throwing this party that is really not important to the overall major rest of the plot. And then she kind of just hangs around and doesn't make decisions. She keeps getting put in situations and she just chooses not to act, like nine times out of 10. Um, Which, you know, again, I, I guess isn't, that's not inherently a problem. I feel like you can have a character like that and then have them spring to action in this important moment or they they get it together eventually and then we root for them and whatever. But, like, we don't ever get there. We don't have enough time for that to matter. So, like, why devote so much time to her, you know? Like, that could have been time that we used on Mark or Sprite, right? Or whatever.
0: I felt the same way about uh, Druig, too. I I thought his power set was cool. I thought it seemed like his whole thing was going to go somewhere interesting. It doesn't. He just decides he wants to be a president, I guess, and and that's it.
1: Take are chill. Yeah.
3: Like, that whole thing is weird, right? Because it's like, then you're like, oh, cool, like, he's an antagonist, but he's also an attorney. And it's like, oh, and then they're like, oh, we're all on the same side, I guess, but we don't like each other. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, what's the dynamic here? Like, who's... Is- it, it, you know? it really sets Druig up for up like a plot
1: yeah and and if he's an eternal like why at that point care whether or not you are in control of a country like the it the the context there doesn't even make sense it loses its ground because well we're dealing with the celestial it's about to destroy the earth he's like yeah but
2: i got my slice of you know the rubble well i think again i i feel like a lot of this is not presented tremendously but I actually feel like there's a really interesting story there. Like if you, if you look at Cersei, for example, she's struggling with the fact that she has this responsibility that she never asked for and is being told that it's something she needs to take on, but she's kind of like, well, no, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't see why I should have to. And that's what makes this book kind of sad because these characters are slaves They were created by the Celestials to do a job and they can't really do anything else, but that job. And they're going to do it until whenever, you know, like until they're, (laughs) until their programming is changed. And that to me is actually really fascinating. And when Cersei says, you know, no, I don't remember being a hero. I don't want to be an eternal. I just want to make parties that I connected with that because it's like, damn, yeah, she's rejecting her prime directive and in that same sense so is druid he's saying you know yeah i could be an eternal but i also just want to be a dictator that seems like fun and (laughs) giving them telling the story of who they were and making it so that who they are now as eternals is still rooted in who they were it, it it presents them in an interesting way because they are they are fighting against what they were created to do I love that. I guess every I one of just, them does, technically. Yeah, they all do, in to some degree. But I just wish that that was I, and I guess like, what do you want them to do? But I still feel like what we're what we're pulling out of the story is there, but it's not told in a way that's like really compelling. It doesn't. It doesn't sit in your brain, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I feel like the work, the legwork, is done to do that but we don't get the the carrot right like the whole idea of these immortal beings like just wanting things is yeah like there's a lot there you know like i i really do feel like that that's a it's an emotionally rich area um yeah, and just like knowing how good he did it in Sandman, it's like, fuck. Why wasn't this just longer? Like, just give my man twice as many issues, you know? Like I think this would have been a much better series for it.
0: I think I think that's how he got the seventh issue. Uh listen, I'm
2: Neil Gaiman. You can give me one more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think that some amount of that and again, this is just me spitballing, can be attributed to what Marvel was like. There wasn't a lot of space uh, on their publishing line for books that didn't have a like r- very, very clear narrative connection to the rest of Marvel, you know, to the wider 616. Even when you look at Cosmic, which people always say was disconnected from that. Well, it was disconnected from Civil War, but they had their own events going on. Like mm. they, if you were writing a Marvel cosmic book, you were still tethered to things that were happening. It just didn't happen to be happening on earth. Mm. And even, and even then there were times where it
0: was like, I, I recall even yeah. like Nova having a, a civil war issue Yeah. at the time. Um, how did the, um, I guess the, the <laughs> MacGuffin, Hit you guys with the deviance and the sleeping celestial,
1: bro. When the fucking sleeping celestial was just there and was there for apparently like three months or whatever, the fuck. I'm like, okay, cool. So, did that matter?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so civil war happened and no one noticed the sleeping celestial,
1: (laughs) (laughs) the golden gate bridge and the golden celestial. Like, okay, cool. And, And literally, when he said, Oh, it became like an attraction, I'm like, all right, thanks. That's that that's where my care went into into a a tourist trap.
3: I you know it's funny because I I don't disagree with that with that like taking the heat out of things to some degree. Um, I made that comment earlier that I just don't really feel like this this story had a lot of heat, even though it's literally dealing with, like, we are seconds away from life on Earth ending. (laughs) And it's like, ah, whatever, we figured it out, Uh, I guess, right? Because even so, the resolution is very much like, well, he said he's going to judge us. I'm not really sure what that means, but I'm sure we'll figure it out. (laughs) It's like, all right, okay. But I did actually think that scene was funny, like the idea that, like, that felt like a good little bit of just social commentary from Neil of just, like, I, that is what would happen, though, right? Like, if you lived in a world where the fantastical was was happening all the time, it would become mundane, and it would become, you know, all these goofy things. Um, so, I don't know. I, I thought that that was kind of, like, a fun moment, but, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't disagree with you in terms of... <laughs> it kind of undercuts things a little bit <laughs>
2: The whole thing Like yeah I I completely agree I, th- I feel like the ending of this was really like puzzling Actually um, Every aspect Every every resolution that the book presents Is just odd uh, The way that the conflict Resolves with uh, Krah I think his name is Yeah it, It's just bizarre Um what the hell did that even mean? <laughs> so my
3: oh, bless you, um you. yeah, i I again, like I, I don't I don't know that this was conveyed super clearly, but i I got the impression that it was like that was a thing in their religion that they had just been waiting for, right? It would be somebody who the deviants religion, yeah, the deviants yeah. Ha- have uh are, you know they call him uh Scott Rotch or Scott race Ra- 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 or something like that, and it's like um scad rack i don't know um and it's the idea that we go (laughs) and it's it's the idea that they're like you know it's somebody who like god is speaking through basically you know and it's Mm -hmm. like okay yeah sure like but again like i don't know like the fact that we do all of this shit in issue seven makes it feel weird because it just kind of happens it's like oh yeah uh they set up shop at their old base they're all like a team now i guess or whatever and the bad guys are here. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what is happening? Weren't we just talking about this dog? Like <laughs> or does that happen later? I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's uh it's a lot. It's a lot here. The
2: idea that the conflict between the eternals and the deviants ends like that is just goofy and it's it's not I don't know, it's just not it's not interesting. Whatever whatever the literal reason is from a narrative standpoint doesn't change the fact that it's, it's just like, oh, this is what we were building to like, who cares? Uh, and similarly with the, the actual uh, celestial, it's like, well, okay. I thought he was going to end things. And uh, now he's not, you know? Okay. It's just, it just nothing. Well, he felt likes like Iron it- Man, Sean. That was why. Great. Yeah. <laughs> nothing felt like it, it resolved and that was infuriating and again mm-hmm. yes this is a marvel comic we understand that it exists to set up future marvel comics but you know within N- N- neil's own story it doesn't feel like there's actual resolution to what was established it doesn't feel like it ends in a natural way
0: mm-hmm.
2: so i want
0: to um pivot i think we've talked enough about the plot and the characters i want to pivot to the broader um scope of like the hierarchy of the marvel existence i guess where do you guys see the eternals fitting and does it work for you so for me It goes like humans/slash mutants, I guess, inhumans and gods, and then the eternals and then the celestials, right? So for me, having the eternals here is just sort of a layer of whatever. Like it doesn't feel connected to anything.
3: Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I feel like to me, I I think of the Eternals as kind of sim and like a, on a similar tier to like the Silver Surfer, where it's like mm. it's not that they like they're they're cosmic beings, but they're like lesser cosmic beings, you know, like. In the way that they're, you know, like in Greek mythology, there's like major and minor gods and some are mm-hmm. way powerful and some of them are just like, yeah, like I got powers or whatever, but I'm not a heavy hitter. Like, I feel like they're like that, like they're kind of like the bottom rung on the, you know, the higher tier of, um, you know, celestial beings, because obviously like, you know they have this divine purpose and everything. They're incredibly powerful, all that stuff. But like, um, to Sean's point, right. They're pawns in someone else's game. Right. Um, so I don't know. Like, I feel like for me, I've not yet seen them used in a way where I feel like it's leveraged in a way that has been interesting to me enough to want to stick with it. And I guess that's more my issue. Cause I think like to the point that we've been talking about this whole time, there's a lot of stuff here. There's promise. There's things that I think could make it work for me. The idea of them being these, you know, cosmic beings that have a grander purpose and all this stuff, and they reject that in, in you know, the um, pursuit of humanity, I think that's potentially very compelling, um, particularly if they become, you know... Uh, heroes right quote unquote in the way that we understand them to be in in you know the marvel universe um i could see that being like a very satisfying you know kind of like in a weird way almost like a an ai that comes to life type story right where it's like oh like we're kind of these like we're not not feeling but like our we where we have this weird relationship with humanity right and like the idea of them you know maybe even taking like an almost kind of like um, you know in the way that Superman's interesting because he's a god who wants to be a man right like I think you can tap into some of that dynamic with, with these characters I just don't feel like I've seen it in a way where it's resonated with me
1: yet I think the, and I was trying to find it but there was a moment where they reference the Eternals to be like gods and I think the question gets posed well then how do you consider the Celestials I think they were kind of like a measure for for that that hierarchy of like okay these guys are like all the way up here and i think pete's uh comparison to like the major and minor gods is pretty apt and that you know there are these higher godlike beings uh cosmic beings but even then for all of their might and all of you know how elevated that they are there's still an existence that goes beyond them um that definitely feels very cosmic Uh, And that was just like the line that was kind of drawn for them. Um, And at the same time, uh, to Sean's earlier point, it's like they're still slaves to something and that has weight to it. So I think they, they serve that dual purpose of realizing that, you know, even these incredible beings could be controlled and by beings that exist on levels of some plane of existence that goes beyond even the comprehension that we have and I thought that played pretty cool pretty well but I think a lot of it was undercut by interactions um, the celestial just staying sleeping standing up and uh, it it didn't pull through
2: so I I agree with your your layout Kale of like I guess the hierarchy of power and I think Mm. the Eternals being kind of like powerful, but not that powerful makes sense because of what they're charged to do, right? Mm -hmm. They're not supposed to be interacting on an intergalactic scale or dealing with those kinds of problems. They're supposed to stop deviants on earth. You know, Mm -hmm. they're supposed to protect the earth from the deviants, protect the humans from the deviants, and the deviants are essentially around the same power scale when you add them up, to the Eternals. And that's all they're really meant to do is fight each other eternally. Um, So because of that, I think what's more interesting is again, the kinds of stories that you can tell in that vein, you know, why is the silver surfer interesting? The silver surfer is interesting because he was a, a feeling person who got a responsibility to basically that made him a slave he was granted great powers but it made him a slave to galactus and he has to do things in order to you know please his master and that's all he gets to do and when he breaks away from that he becomes a compelling character but sometimes he goes back to that because that's also interesting and that is what i want from the eternals it feels like the movie actually is going to be the place we're going to see these ideas synthesized just based on the trailers. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it's because there is all this really, really cool stuff to mine with these characters that Chloe Zhao or the people at Marvel studios saw and said, Oh wait, there's a story here. That's not really been told. Let's do that. And that it's funny because this read and this conversation has made me way more uh, interested in the movie than I have been since the (laughs) first trailer.
1: Mm. you've notoriously been down on the film
2: yeah but now i'm into it and part of that is because of what gaiman did here because like i said at the top i really feel like there's good stuff in this book a a small part of it i'll take credit for the rest i think (laughs) (laughs) i think every idea is good yeah yeah but none of them are explored to the place where it feels satisfying
3: yes yeah and that's that's you know something that obviously now that uh, they're interested in developing the eternals into a, a multi-movie franchise will have that space to do obviously in terms of the films but also like you imagine this will also take place in the books because you know if there's renewed interest in the characters they'll have more consistent runs and potentially you know um you know like uh, high high uh priority for like an at a tier creative team and all that kind of shit you know seen it happen before Uh, they have one they have
1: one yeah and it's been it's been good
3: well Well, but right but that's because of this right like that book exists because they want in a few months when people are into the eternals to be able to go to that book and not for nothing i'm sure they also want that book so that when they get to the third movie and they're like ah fuck what's this movie about oh Mm -hmm. boom there we go okay
1: Okay, yeah. you
3: know what yeah. I mean? We gotta bring Thanos back. It's the machine.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate that uh Thanos is gone and now we're getting the Eternals on screen. Oh, I'm sure he'll come back. I hope so, man. But um yeah, I, I'm I'm I understand now why they wanted to make a movie about these characters. If you asked me a couple of years ago, why is this movie being made? I would have told you it's because they wanted to do, well, the Inhumans thing sucked, you know, like it didn't work. And that this was a stand-in for that. Uh, that was going to be my next question is, do you think
0: this will be an inhuman stand-in? Um, you know, obviously the Inhumans TV show, but categorical catastrophe um but you know i think i think there is a, a a level here in this hierarchy where you can sort of meld the inhumans and the eternals to a certain degree um especially in the mcu where they're in charge of everything now and you know they can write their own stories and make their own hierarchy as it were you know uh, will the in will the Eternals stand in for the the Inhumans
2: I think that Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel really wanted the Eternals th- or the Inhumans thing to work hmm. it's unfortunate that it didn't and there are a lot of reasons for that we're not this is not the place to talk about that but um I don't think that the Eternals can be a stand in in the sense that they're they're very very different stories mm-hmm. and the stories that you can tell with the characters are, are are very different but i would argue that they're both similarly bland like once you get past black bolt and medusa right who do you really Karnak, Karnak okay uh lockjaw <laughs> But but once you get past that, Lockjaw, right, kicks ass. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it starts to be a little bit, you know, eh. And I feel yeah. like with with the internals, the like at least based on this and what what little I did read of Karen Gillen's run, we'll see how the movie shakes out. It feels like the list stops a lot earlier <laughs> than it did for the Inhumans. That's not a good thing.
0: <laughs> we just named uh, five Inhumans off the top of our head. And we're all actually fairly excited for them. Will we be able to do the same for the
2: Eternals? (laughs) Well, that's the thing, dude. I was so excited. I love the Inhumans. I could name several more that I'm really into. But it's just like that was such an epic collapse that they're trying to let that thing kind of die over there. And so they said, "Okay, well, let's do the Eternals. That's how I thought about it. But yeah. now that I've seen what can be done, now that I understand that there is potential, now I'm like okay, bring it on.
1: And uh Sean had mentioned, you know, this was in the conversation for the Inhumans. So if you want to listen to that, guys, can wow. you guess can you guess how early of an episode the Inhumans 40, conversation was?
2: 45.
0: I uh, yeah, it's going to be we're talking maybe even 30s. Pete? Cuz this would have been before I even left new york
1: no way fuck yeah, Real- okay i'm gonna say like 24 yeah, then i don't care <laughs> whatever wow sean was the closest it was 43 damn wow
0: yeah so go I, check. I, I, re- I remember listening to the uh the show reviews when you guys talked about it uh before i left for new zealand i just left new york
1: <laughs> it's called
2: we never, did we, we we never watched that We never watched it, but yeah, we talked about it. It's called,
1: it's called what's up with the Inhumans episode 43.
2: (laughs) Wow. Did that title. Um, Yeah. I I feel like the Inhumans have a lot of mileage. There's a lot of cool stuff you can do, but hopefully they find that with the Eternals. Hopefully Mm. um, Chloe Zhao can, can, you know, pull some magic with these characters
3: i think that's the thing is like kale you asked the question of like will we will we be able to do that with the um with the eternals i i think yeah like on the other side of the movie sure um because you'll have like a fun cohesive ideally right if, if it comes out and it's good you'll have yeah. a fun cohesive story that you know puts those characters over for a lot of people but also you have the benefit of that a lot of them are played by actors who people really like um hmm. right like angelina jolie uh kit Kimi- harrington kit harrington who like especially coming off of game of thrones which everyone is like poisoned the well on but but everybody still likes him it's like yeah cool if he kicks ass that's great then he'll he'll be a star again and everybody will be psyched about that Kamal Nanjiani is a beloved actor and comedian like there's a lot of like good character actors in this cast that I feel like will help bring these characters to life and give them personality that people will be able to uh, to latch onto, right? In the same way that that happened for the Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: And I think to your to your question on like the the hierarchy there from here, right? This is this is like a baseline for Cosmic Marvel that mm. now will be like, oh, cool, this worked. We have some context from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. What what is that next order of magnitude that we can explore within the Marvel Universe? Is it going to be uh, a, yeah, right? Like, could it be, and does that fit? Is there context for that now? Like, the, the higher concepts are getting pulled down. Hmm.
3: Yeah, and I mean, you'll have the ability to, like, deal with threats like that and have heavy hitters in the wings, right? Yeah,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
3: Because if you want to yeah. establish, some, not that you couldn't, I guess, before, right? But, like, I feel like that, it helps with the power creep a little bit. <laughs> you know?
2: Clearly we're on our road to the Phoenix in the MCU.
3: I mean, it's happening sooner or later, Sean. We gotta get there eventually. There's only the cel- so many stories with
1: names people know. <laughs> the Celestials did create heat mutants. No. Yeah, that was it was mentioned in one of the things. They created like the uh the the humans, the eternals, and then there's like their the variant for the X gene or something. It was in the book. Wait, really?
3: I don't remember that. <laughs>
1: Am I making this up? I I swear I
2: read this. I mean, they literally did create mutants either way because they created humans, right? That's true. So yes, you're right, Marco. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's uh <laughs> I'll take it.
3: <laughs>
0: let's uh let's take a second to talk about the art.
1: Yo, okay, you guys always shit on fucking John Amita Jr.? I was digging this shit. Um, uh, you, if by you guys you mean specifically Kale, then yes.
3: <laughs> hey, listen. If you think you can come at the king here,
0: uh, the king of shit mountain, like... <laughs> the host with the cause... least. Because... <laughs> 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 This, uh, this throne ain't toppling,
1: Man, dude, kidding. I, hmm. <laughs> there, there were, there were moments here where like the splash pages awesome. they yeah, absolutely the, what about everything else? No, no, no. Everything else, everything well, else. Yeah. Okay. There were, there, Apology there, were accepted. <laughs> there were really good moments and I think there were small amounts of like form disfigurations. Like every once in a while you see like an elongated arm, but Outside of that, this was all pretty tight. The paneling and action worked pretty well. Um, apparently, he likes to work in like the Marvel method, so the way that he drives the the story visually, I think, is pretty effective in the action sequences. Um, everything was communicated pretty clearly. There wasn't a moment where I was kind of like lost in the the art of it all. Um, he he was able to lay down some interesting panels and. Um, uh design really cool characters. I I had fun with it.
2: Outside of the rare elongated arm.
1: Yeah, dude, there was like three and maybe like one time like Sprite rare. His, his head was like this, but the body was like over here, so he was just like
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: otherwise it's pretty long, good. The extra long fingers didn't do anything for you. <laughs> I didn't notice that.
2: Um yeah I mean I'm not the only period of time during which i i have enjoyed ramita's work is this period of time this is like around the time of kick-ass give or take a couple of years and um you know i i I didn't hate this from a visual perspective but there's just something incredibly stiff sometimes about Mm. what he does that Um, It's kind of frustrating. I like the figures that he designs that deviate from his normal because all his characters look essentially the same. Yeah, Uh, And I like the times when he gets to draw someone or something that isn't that. So Sprite is a good example, just having a different body type than everyone Mm -hmm. else. Um, You know, but then there's times where, you know, he's drawing Iron Man and I'm like, "Eh, I don't really know about this one or the deviants. Like they just look like blobs. Yeah, they describe that the deviants can look like basically anything and they startlingly st- they look startlingly generic, uh, given yeah. that fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. For me, this is like the tail end of of good JRJR for me. Um, I was always a fan of his um amazing Spider Man, uh, with yeah. Straczynski. and that that to me is top tier. Uh, John Romita Jr. Um, so, so yeah, a lot of this is fine. It's fine. Uh, like, like Marco said, the splashes are incredible. Yeah, the way he does the uh, Celestials is, I mean, just
3: top notch.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I, I generally found it to be to be solid. Um, I, I, I definitely don't. I don't think that. Um that all the critiques that you guys threw out are, are like off base, but I, I don't I don't ever feel like <clears throat> like there were issues that felt like glaring to me. Like I felt like the stuff that was good stood out and the stuff that was rough around the edges felt like you know, it, it was in it was in moments where it was rarely like the thing you were supposed to be focused on, I guess. At least that was the impression that I got from it overall, you know? Um Yeah, it's it's maybe not like top top shelf work from uh from him but i i overall i i thought it was it was definitely like it was good you know and and for for the highs being what they are of of those really cool dynamic splash pages um yeah i think those are the things that i that stick in my memory the most about Mm -hmm. the art you know Mm
2: -hmm. i think he's also an extremely polarizing artist for whatever reason so most people's minds are already made up and you either like him or you don't, and I don't think that there's a ton he's going to do to change anybody's mind either way.
1: Kale, you, you're an asshole because now all I fucking see are these elongated fingers.
2: <laughs> They're there. <laughs> you're They're <welcome>. definitely there.
0: <laughs> um, I was surprised when I when I opened uh, my book for the first time and uh, saw the fleet of inkers he had. Um, I was like, oh, this is going to be a mess. Um, but I actually, I got to the book and completely forgot there were all those names. Um, they, these, all of these inkers work really, really well with mm-hmm. uh, Ramita's style. I never noticed
2: a change. I didn't yeah. even know that there were all those inkers until you said it at the top. So it never yeah. impacted my read. Even, I think I, even
0: probably until I flipped to... uh 7, I think 7 might might be Claus Jansen and the only reason I say that is because there was a specific face I saw that uh, made me go oh, that looks uh, Frank miller because Claus Jansen and Frank Miller were Taylor for a long
1: time uh, uh, apparently he did issue 6 well, then. might have been Danny Miki but anyway, that's uh I think the inks were probably a, a highlight um, the way like especially in with the even in the opening page, where um you just start the book, at the title credits, you see like this grand design of the of the uh, eternal's sort of world. there's a, a moment later where you get like a lot of really strong architecture that I think gets accentuated by the the inks the faces with like the different kind of um, hash lines on them and stuff um, the lines have been were, were really cool um, adding some like depth and shading to them it was, the the inks were on point and Matt Hollingsworth fucking love that guy yeah. he's so good yeah super top
3: talent. guy yeah the um, I think the facial shading was something that stuck out to me a, a lot as well Marco like <clears throat> we talked about that scene in issue seven right where um, where Sprite dies and like the actual scene. Of, of the close up on um the, what's the leader of the, uh, eternal's name again. Z- Zuras. Yeah. Zuras. the like close up on his face with the crack. And it's just like he, eyes very wide and just like bathed in this kind of shadow. It has this kind of, you know, uh, it, it communicates a lot of emotion, you know, and in, in, in the way that the, the faces are obscured or not obscured. And yeah, I, I think a lot of that really, really, uh, did strike a chord with me as well.
1: Hmm.
0: All right, fellas, let's hear it. Would you recommend this book?
1: Uh, not required reading. So, no, I'd I, I, I give somebody the current Eternals run to uh, pick up before I give them this. I think if you're looking for that different flavor of like, okay, yes, there was another life that the Eternals have lived. Cool, this would be it. Um but that's also because I haven't read any of the Kirby stuff.
3: Mm. Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend this. I I don't think it was bad, but I think if you're going to go out of your way to go back and read a comic book from you know t- t- like twenty years ago, almost like there are, there are other better choices.
2: It's tough because I think that while the story doesn't do the Eternals justice, there's a lot of stuff in here that for someone who you know is maybe more seasoned the comics reader or, you know, is willing to put the mental work in to figure out what gaming is putting down. I think you can actually get a lot out of this, uh, especially as it relates to getting a better idea of what is in store with the Eternals film. I really feel like that. And I almost feel like that more than I feel like that about what Gillen is doing. I don't think that what Kieran Gillen is doing in his book has much to do with what we're going to see in the film at least as far as i got whereas i think a lot more of the dna of this comic um maybe more from a subtext angle if anything is more present in what we have seen from the trailers of the eternals film so
0: Hmm. yeah for me i think i think it's too incomplete um, you know there are there are endings and and you know there are uh, elements that that I I have to imagine do continue on into the the series that followed this um, in two thousand eight. But um, you know I couldn't tell you what they were. Uh, I didn't read it. So um, I just I I think I would skip this altogether, even if it's what the the film is based on, because I think once the film comes out you'll you'll probably want to see more of the eternals just doing what they do rather than sort of you know a bit of a half-baked um uh, fucking epic that doesn't go anywhere I, and I should also, for...
2: I should also Sorry. say like I I wouldn't ultimately recommend this unless the person really wanted some eternal stuff I, I wouldn't recommend this generally by any means mm.
0: yeah i'd probably recommend the kirby
3: stuff above this have you have you uh no I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should get to look at some jack kirby art though right yeah right yeah
0: that's true um okay well that's it bye no just kidding um we have got a bunch of stuff all the time. I said earlier, the main show launches on Mondays. Uh, guys, we just attended New York Comic-Con.
2: We That's had a right. blast.
0: A lot of fun. Sure did. We made a bunch of friends. We achieved a bunch of dreams and scored a ton of interviews with your favorite creators. You can check all of those out on youtube.com slash Pals. If you want more content like this book club, we put them out on the last Tuesday of every month. The last one we did uh, was Rick Remender and Greg Tocchini's Low. Uh, Pete, Marco, what are your favorite book clubs now? Something. Invincible. Well. Perfect. <laughs> uh, you have it. suggestions. Hey, why didn't you ask me? Because <laughs> Low, was, your Low was
1: yours, right? No. Oh, it was oh, uh, wow. Killer Kill Be Killed.
2: No. Uh,
0: all right. What was your favorite?
2: X Force, Uncanny X Force. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah.
0: That was too long ago. I don't remember that. <laughs> I guess I'll have to listen. If you have suggestions, make sure you hit us up on all of your favorite uh, social media platforms at the Comics Pals. While you're there, leave us a like, give us a subscribe, tell your friends, and drop us a review. It helps us out a lot more than it costs you.
1: Until next month, mere mortals. Oh, and uh, tune in next week, right? Because the movie drops.
2: Yes. Until next month, mere mortals. (laughs) See you next time. Take care, guys.